Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Kristen Jones. She is a coach that helps women manage emotional eating through self-compassion and love. It's a topic very near and dear to my heart. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much, Casey. I am honored to be here, and I'm just I'm so excited to just share what I've experienced and share as much as I can with your audience and help them as much as I can. So absolutely. Awesome. Yes, thank you. That sounds wonderful. Let's dive right in. I would love it if you could share. I know sometimes it's a little bit vulnerable, but a lot of the things that we go through in our life um, contribute to who we are and what we do right now. So would you be open to sharing part of your own personal journey, your struggles with body image and weight loss, and how that's fueled you to be the coach that you are today? Absolutely. It's, it is it is actually what drives me and gets me up every day to work with my clients and to share what I've experienced. So I have had what I would say an official, in my words, an official eating disorder since I was about 16 years old. But my issues with food probably went back as early as seven or eight years old. I can remember just certain instances happening that I sought to comfort myself with food. And so I basically looked at, I had to look at throughout my life, I've looked at um, where, where did this come from? Because I knew that that was a really important part of recognizing and acknowledging that I had an eating disorder. I didn't actually acknowledge it to myself or to anyone else until I was probably in my mid thirties. And then it took me another it was probably 16 years that I pretended that this was the normal way of being and that it was, there was, there was nothing wrong with it. And then it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties, I admitted to myself. And then it took another probably 15 years to get to the point where I was able to put the label of emotional eating onto what was, what was going on with me because I knew I wasn't anorexic. I knew I wasn't bulimic, but I knew I had a funky, what I considered a funky relationship with food that I just knew was not healthy. And so I went back I, I went back and started, I had done some work with a life coach on some money issues that I had. And the work that we had done had been so powerful. And it was all based upon Brene Brown's work on looking back and accepting, forgiving, and rewriting your story. And so mm-hmm. I had done that. And so I started to go back. And so I started to look at my at my childhood and it wasn't easy. That That is absolutely for sure. We all have in our minds that our childhoods were, we always called it the Walton family or just very much a, a very picturesque, perfect, perfect situation. And there were things that went on that weren't good for my self-esteem and weren't good for me in the way of my expressing of my emotions. And so that really ties into the emotional eating aspect. Um, we were not allowed in my home we were not, I was not allowed, I say, I, I felt I wasn't allowed to really express when things went on if I didn't like them. 
Mm. You were a child and that was what happened. You, you dealt with the consequences of whatever happened. And if you didn't like it, that was too bad. And so I did not learn how to express my emotions appropriately. And so unfortunately, as I got to be an adult, either you go from one extreme to the other, either you express your emotions all the time or you don't express them. And then when you do finally decide to, it's so inappropriate. And so I always describe it <laughs> as a howler monkey. I mean, I would just like go from zero to 200. And it wasn't until I really started looking at, okay, why, why does that happen? And I had to go back through. And I, one of the things that I did is I just released, um, I just published, self-published a book in uh, the middle of April called When Food is Your Drug, A Food Addict's Guide to Managing Emotional Eating. And it was cathartic for me to go back and to really go through. And, and what I really believe, and I believe this for everyone, is we all have things in our lives that we're presented with. And you can either see it as a blessing or you can see it as a curse. And I chose for the longest time it was a curse. And then I decided that was no way to live. And I, I, and I really needed to take what, take what I, I feel God had given me this, this, this situation and then take it and say, okay, I'm going to make the best of this situation and I'm going to share what I know with others because I know there are other people out there that are feeling Absolutely. this way and are dealing with the same things and they think they're alone just the way I thought I was alone. Absolutely. Wow. That's powerful. So obviously at seven or eight, when you started feeling like when you went back into your psyche, it was like, you know what? I think that there was like something going on that at that age. Mm -hmm. um, obviously that's kind of too young for you to even consciously be aware of it. But when you started getting into your 16s and higher, mm -hmm. um, how did that kind of manifest where you were like, I don't know if this is necessarily normal. It's my normal but what, what, how did it manifest for you when you started to kind of use food to soothe? Uh, I would say, well, for me, it was a way of control. So it was, a, it was a, a, what I would consider a stereotypical eating disorder in a sense of everything had to be controlled. I had to be in control of all aspects of my eating life. And that was an indication that there were many things in my other aspects of my life that were not in control. And this was the thing that I could control. And so I also found that one of the things that I did was in the evenings, I, for the, I, I would probably say it wasn't until maybe a year or two ago that I really, I can stop eating and spend the whole evening at my home. I, I live alone the whole evening at my home by myself and not eat something. Whereas before nighttime signaled, it was a trigger. It was a trigger of I'm alone and all, and un, it was very unconscious. I really didn't realize what I was doing, but there were aspects of looking at not being in a relationship and not feeling, not really not being happy with myself. And yeah. that's really where it all comes from. It all comes from the, the feelings of that hole in your heart or that hole in your stomach that can't be filled with, no amount of food and no amount of outside affirmation. It all has to come from within. And I, I didn't have the skills to know how to do that. And sure. so that was the, what I, what, what I did know is I knew that food was readily available. A lot of people choose alcohol. A lot of people choose drugs. A lot of people choose sex or gambling. I chose eating because it's socially acceptable and it was easily accessible. And when I was a child, I knew I wouldn't get in trouble, quote unquote, in trouble for that. Sure. 
So, you know, it was easy, it was easy to do. And it's almost a legal drug. I mean, it, it's, well, it is exactly, exactly. And, and so it was, so the way it would manifest would be nighttime. I was a nighttime eater and my, my family would joke about how, you know, it would be, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning and they could hear, you know, <laughs> add out to the kitchen or the door would open up and I'd try to be, and I, and I always thought that no one knew what was going on. I always thought no one had any idea what was happening. And so that was really how it presented itself. But it also presented itself when it came to, I, I wouldn't eat in front of people. And so I basically isolated myself because I was too afraid of if I went to a restaurant or went out with friends that I would get so out of control that I wouldn't be able to control what I, what I ate. And so I was the person, and I, I write about this in the book, um, I would be the person who would be asked to go to dinner and I would want to know where we were going. And then I would go online and I would look and see everything that was online to see if there was something that I would deem as safe to eat that I could eat in front of people that I felt okay about eating because I knew that I was going to be, that what I was going to be eating was going to be watched. And nine times out of 10 people would comment and then it would make me so uncomfortable. Mm. And so then I, so I started to withdraw from that. And so socially I started to withdraw as well. Wow. That's incredible. It's, I think, such a gift that you've had this experience because you probably, um, I would assume, have so much compassion and empathy for the women that you're helping right now. Uh, so I think it's really incredible. I'm curious, too, do you find that the um, clients that are drawn to you have a very similar past to you? Do you feel that there's like a connection or a link because they can relate to your story? Absolutely. It's a great question. And I, I absolutely, it's, I was actually told one of my clients, I said, I, at one point I wrote back to her and I said, I think we're sisters. I'm not quite sure, but I think we might be related because <laughs> everything that she was talking about and, and relaying to me were things that were very similar. There's a, there's a, a thread of, there's a thread of, of a kind of a, um, People, people are people who have ex- who experienced this have have been in circumstances where they have not been valued, and they mm-hmm. haven't been affirmed, and they haven't been. Um, sh- no one has told them that they're that they're good, other than what they physically look like, and so they're they're not they're not they're not judged on what they you know how how they are as a person inside their heart, but they're more geared. It's more geared towards what you look like and what you're supposed to look like. And so that is, and that's something that, that I have always, I always felt now, whether or not it was ever said to me in my childhood, it wasn't, but I interpreted it that way. I read, I, and, and what I, what I wrote about, what I said in the book was when children are not explained why things happen, they make their own stories up. And we we all do that. We, we, we make up stories to justify what's going on, but in most cases, they're pretty destructive stories. And, and usually we're not going to, the person's not going to turn out being the hero in the, in the circumstance. So um, I think that, that, that really, and, and I'm a believer that we are drawn to people that are going to be there, that are going to help us. We, we, we resonate with certain people. So I know that one of the things that with my coaching, I know that the people I can usually tell within the first 
sometimes a minute, minute and a half, whether or not we are going to connect or not. And I'm okay if we don't, because I want people to work with somebody that they resonate with. And if it's not me, I would help them find somebody that, that would resonate with them because it's, it's so important because it's such personal work and you really, you need to feel safe and you need to feel that connection and know that this person cares about you and that they've been where you are regardless of what they, what they absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I I'm totally on the same page that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I'm, I'm completely on that page with you. And it's funny because as you were speaking, I was thinking, I wonder if it's difficult for you to cut through the noise of such a billion dollar industry of diet and image, Mm -hmm. but you kind of already answered that by saying like, when that right client shows up, they resonate with you and they're ready. Do you find that um, it's very common that they have, they're just at a certain level? Like, do they get to a certain breaking point before they're like, I need help? Like maybe when you were needing um, money mindset coaching, Right. This may be very similar. Like you get to the point where like, I've tried everything on my own. I've tried everything under the sun. I know there's something out there for me, but I'm going to need a mentor. Is that what you find as well? Absolutely. Great question. I, I, I do because what I find is, and I'm very, very upfront with my clients and I will tell them if you are looking for 20 pound loss in three months or six weeks, or I am not the person for you to work with. And if you, if we're not going to look, if you're not willing to go deep and to really, you know, as they say, peel back the onion and take those layers off. If you're not willing to do that, then, then I don't want to waste your time. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to invest because I, I so fully invest in my clients that I really want to make sure that we're a good fit and that they completely understand where this is going to go. And I feel like I love the fact that I'm not like everybody else. And I love the fact that I do. I, I'm, I'm probably most proud of the fact that my book does not have one recipe. It does not have one mention of macros or protein. Or <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't, in fact, I, I do talk about the, I get frustrated when I go online and I see articles about emotional eating and they talk about, well, you just need to remove all the food that the health, the unhealthy foods from the house. And I'm, and I just, I just think, Oh no, that we're so missing. We're so missing the point because I'm not saying that, that you might not need to do that initially or not have tempting foods, but we all have to live and we can't, we can't become that person who wants to micromanage every situation. You walk into a house and you're like, okay, you've got to throw out half your, if I'm staying here, you have to throw out half your, half the things in your refrigerator. Cause I can't handle it because it, it, it's not about the food. It's about what's inside and it's about what's going on inside. And when we let those exterior things control us and be the things that, that, that they're going to dictate how we're going to act, we, we don't have a chance. We just, For we, sure. Yeah. It's such an emotional um, driver. I mean, I, I think that you hit it right on the head. If you're going to soothe with food, you can binge on carrot sticks and celery sticks and hummus. I mean, like right. whatever you deem a safe food, you can binge on if you're right. looking to get filled up with something external. So I really like that you said that a lot. So for listeners that are like saying, wow, this sounds like me, I can relate to your story. Um, Could you give them like three tips that could give them an understanding of either how this is different from dieting or what they can do today in their own life to just start 
slowly shifting. I know that this is a big subject, and especially when it goes back decades and decades, there is no quick fix. And I'm totally on board with that. But if there's something that you can like share with our listeners that would just even shift consciousness or open it up in a new way, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And thank you for asking. I love, I love sharing this. So my three tips that you, that you can, you can start today, as soon as you get off this, you know, you, you, you let's stop listening to this podcast and you can move on today and do these. So the first one is what I call take five and take five is we all know that feeling of when you start, when you start to go down the, you start to go down that funnel and you're starting like, okay, things are going poorly. My boss just yelled at me. I just had a fight with my child. They won't get in the car, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I'm looking for something that's going to make me feel better when that when you find yourself moving towards the, the cabinet or towards the pantry, towards the fridge, stop yourself and just take five seconds and ask yourself, how do I physically feel right now? So if I have food in front of me, how do I physically feel? Do I need what I'm about to eat? And nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, the answer is going to be no, you, you, don't, you don't need it. And so the next question is, what do I really need in this moment? What is it that I truly need? Because the, the chocolate bar or the Kit Kat or the Cheez-Its are really not what I need. I need something else. So I need to figure out what, what, what is it that I really need? And sometimes it's, sometimes it's, I need a hug from my, from my partner. I need to pick up the phone and call a friend. I need to just go for a walk. I need to take three deep breaths, whatever it is, there's something else that you need and it's not food, but we have to start looking at ourselves and really getting more in touch with being present in the moment and, and not letting ourselves blank out and go to this place where it's, where it's just this mindless, let me make myself feel better. We really have to stop and say, okay, what is it that I really need right now? And it could be throwing in, throwing on the, the water in the bathtub and, and jumping into a bubble bath, whatever that is. So that's, that's my first tip is just to be mindful, slow down in the moment and say, okay, what is it that I really need? Because I probably don't need this food right now. The, the second thing, the second, the next two things, they have changed my life and they are, the first one is daily affirmations. I think as, I think as human beings, I think especially as women, we, we learned at some point that it was not okay to talk about things that we're good at and, mm-hmm. and, and to make ourselves be in that place of, of, of being good at something. And so yeah. what I always, I have all my clients start off, they, they have to come up with five, and for some people it's very difficult, five things that they like about themselves. What are five things that they're good at? And what, if, you, if you struggle with thinking, I can't come up with five things that I like, a fabulous, if you don't mind me recommending an app, I, I, I always yeah, go for it. Think up is an, an amazing app. Um, T H I N K U P think up and they have already prescribed. They, they have created a bunch of affirmations in regards to various aspects of life, but they also, the really cool thing is you can, as an app, you can record yourself saying oh, cool. affirmations. And so for some people, I personally like to write mine out. 
Um, I'm a former school teacher. And so for me, I'm an English teacher. And so for me, the power of writing and getting things out is so valuable to me. And so I really like writing, but I know some people don't have time. And so you have the option of just of listening to yourself. There's something incredibly powerful about hearing your own voice. Say yeah, these- such a good tip. That yeah. writing connection is, is really, really huge. Awesome. Keep going. Keep going. Give us a third one. So the third one is, again, changed my life, is daily gratitude. And really putting yourself – I just was listening to a podcast yesterday that said you can't be – sad and grateful at the same time. You just, those two things don't go together. So when we are, when we're in that place and it's so hard when you're down in that rabbit hole, it is so difficult, but if you can just think, and, and, and the person I was listening to on the podcast said, he's like, bring the, bring the meter down. Don't make it like you have to think about all these fabulous things that happened in your life. He says, he, he says, I wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, these sheets are fantastic. Like they're clean and they're so beautiful. And, but it's just thankful for your children, for the, the roof you have over your head, the, the, you know, the job that you might not like, but it's paying the bills. You know, just, we, we, there's always something that we can be grateful for. What I choose to do is every morning I write down, I think about the last 24 hours and I come, I I'm able to always come up with at least five. Some days it's 10, some days, you know, we struggle for five, but we always, I always come up with five things that I'm grateful for. And it just, I do all of these things in the morning because it just, I, I feel like a morning routine is so, it, 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 it sets it, the tone. Absolutely sets the tone. I love that. And um, it dovetails into my next question. But before I jump into what you do to prevent burnout, which I think morning routines probably going to have a big part to it. um, I really just want to say thank you so much for sharing those tips. I think they're incredibly valuable. And I also want to say, even though they sound simple, it doesn't mean that they're easy and that they can have massive transformation. You're already validating that they've changed your life. And I think that for anybody thinking, oh, I don't know, saying things good about me or feeling gratitude, how is that going to help me lose weight? Because that still may be the seed or the core desire. Um, I think if they start implementing these, they're going to see a shift where maybe even their core desire shifts as well. So I love that you said that. And I especially loved your first tip because it really brings in self-compassion. And it really gets to the root of what are some other alternatives that I can do to soothe myself? Mm -hmm. There's something other than food that can make me feel better or feel loved or feel maybe you need a nap. You know, maybe you're just exhausted. You know, you don't need, like you said, the Kit Kat or the Cheez-Its. Maybe you need a nap, (laughs) you know? So I thank you so much for sharing those. I know they're going to be super valuable for the listeners, and I highly encourage them to try one or try them all Mm -hmm. um, over a period of time. So there's some consistency and some habit-forming changes where you can really see some, some deep work show up. Okay, awesome. So the next thing is... Um, what other things do you do personally? Cause I know growing a business takes a lot of time. You know, even if we are on the hustle less or hustle with heart, it's still time and energy and dedication and block by block. And I'm super passionate about business without burnout. And I'm wondering how you being such a caregiver and being so, um, intertwined in such a personal, intimate connection with your clients how do you fill your cup up? How do you keep a homeostasis and a balance so you don't burn out? That, that is a wonderful question. And I'm so glad you asked it because 
I haven't in the past been very good about that. When I first started my business, it was 24, just because you are, you're just grinding, you're hustling. You want you want this to be successful and you want to help as many people as you can. And I had a couple of instances where I became physically sick and it was the, the wake up call of you've got to cut back on what you're doing. You've got to give yourself time. Uh, the, my morning routine is so incredibly valuable to me. Uh, I also, I'm, I'm a runner. And so uh, I run with a group. I not only run with a group, but I also run with my neighbor and we have mm. totally different lives. So our lives are completely, my neighbor has, you know, as two children, the people that I run with, um, this running group that I run with, I, we do trail running. None of them are in my industry. So we all come from very different backgrounds. And I find that to be so helpful to that is helpful it's just to get with people that are are so different and to hear about uh, that we we all have struggles and we all have things but but and there but and there I always surround myself with people that are always looking to grow and looking to better themselves personal development is so important to me but I also want people who just want to have fun who yeah. want to talk about Game of Thrones or want to talk about you know the uh, you know the warriors or whatever it is you know whatever it is that you're talking about and so I, I love I love doing that. I also know that I have to spend time with my family. And so my family, I have, um, I, I'm fortunate enough that my, one of my nieces owns a yoga studio. I'm a fitness instructor as well. And oh, so cool. I, I am able to, to go and work at her studio. And that's a, a little bit of a distance from my home, but my parents live right near there. So I get to see my parents. My parents are in their 80s. And so I get to touch base with them every week. And then seeing, you know, my nieces and nephews who, who have babies and, and just surrounding myself with, I think surrounding yourself with children is just absolutely the most invigorating thing that you can do because it reminds you of what's really important in life. And oh my gosh, we are so similar. <laughs> that comment that you said, like, could we be sisters? I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I totally 100% agree. You need that social structure. And I have seven nieces and nephews, and I completely get filled up with that baby love. They're all different Absolutely. Ages. Oh my but gosh. I'm yeah. right there with you that it just changes your mindset and it shifts it. And the other really valuable thing is a part of your social structure that you mentioned is having diverse, like diversity in the people that you're hanging with. Yes. Because if we're just talking, I think you need both. Like, oh, I think, yeah, on the solopreneur journey, you absolutely, it helps to be able to vent and talk and build and strategize with someone that understands the solopreneur journey. But then on the personal flip side, I think you can't 24-7 be talking about your lead magnet and how to generate clients and all of those things. Like you do need to just like chill out and be like, isn't it beautiful? Look at the daffodils or talk about a show on Netflix or whatever. So I think you touched on some really valuable points there. I think it's amazing. I'm really curious, like you have your book coming out and I'll definitely share that link in the show notes. And then how else do you work with people? Do you work one-on-one? Do you work only in person? Do you have group offerings? I'd love it if you could share a little bit about that for people that are interested in working with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Um, my, my, my business, and I'm sure as you know, you know, our businesses evolve and they become, we start off as with our business and then all of a sudden I look back at what I was doing two years ago and I think, oh my gosh, like I'm so far <laughs> off, the, off the path of where I was, but I'm so happy I'm off the path and that I'm, that I'm making my own path. So I really enjoy, I love having a balance. I love having a mix of different things. And again, that's what keeps me 
um, at that homeostasis of, of being able to have balance in my, in my life and in my business life as well. So I work, I work one-on-one with clients. So if somebody is interested, most of my work, I do both in person and online. So I, with anyone anywhere. Um, it's the power of Zoom. I, I just love, I love Zoom. And, and so it's, I, I have online clients as well as in-person clients. And I, I, my emotional eating is really, to me, it's, it's the forefront. Uh, it's the, it's just the core of what I, of what I teach and what I, and what I do and what I, and how I coach. And so there is the one-on-one. I also have a group coaching program that is, as I want to say, it's probably even more intense in a sense of it is, um, you know, daily, daily interaction with me and daily interaction in a way, in the way through, um, you know, inspiration and, and um, activities, different writing activities. There's all sorts of writing because That's again, important. it's so important because and, and my book basically is laid out as a – anybody who reads my book is like, oh, yeah, she was so a teacher. Because we – I do – especially I was an English teacher, and we, and we taught reading. And so I have, I have the, the reader read, and then there's what we call – what in school we used to call stop and jots. And so you, would, you stop, and then there's, there's a couple of prompts. And, then, and I would tell them, you have to have a journal. You want to do this. There are definitely people who are just going to read the book, and that's totally fine. Totally fine. Read yeah. the prompt, the stop and jots. But if you really want to, to make this a, really, a reality, I really want people to go through and do the writing activities. And even then, I think there are definitely, there's definitely a, a portion of people that are going to say, okay, that's all well and good, but how do I make that a consistent part of my life? Because as, as we know, consistency is the key to everything. If we can't do something on a regular basis and, and make it a part of our lives, then it's just that fleeting information that comes in and out and just floats in and out of our lives. And For I really- sure. I love that you put those stop and jots in. I think that's so important. I feel that if we take in too much content without like assimilating it and marinating on it and then actually creating our own content or a spin of it, mm-hmm. um, it can be actually suppressing Right. So I really think that it's such an integrated process. So I love that you have that built into what you do. But the other thing that I really like that you just mentioned is even if you're with them side by side on the journey, um, giving them content, you're also giving them inspiration. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're drip feeding content Monday through Friday. Right. It could just be inspiration, which is huge. Right. And people need to feel that they're winning. I know that a lot of the programs just have like a weekly call and then you may have a workbook and it's kind of like, good luck with that. Yeah. Not to downgrade it, but it's like really difficult with the kind of topic that you coach on. Mm -hmm. Um, If they could have done it alone, they would have by now. So they need that support. So I love that you have that, that daily guidance. Yeah. So there's daily guidance and then there is um, there are weekly calls and then there are also, there's also a Facebook group because I find I, I, I toyed in the beginning of, with not having a Facebook group because I wasn't sure about how personal and, and just how vulnerable people wanted to be. But overwhelmingly my clients wanted to talk to other people. They wanted to know that they weren't by themselves. And so when, once that started, then 
you know, the, my clients just, they blossomed. They just, they were able, and they, and they loved sharing what was working with them. And they loved sharing when things weren't working and saying, oh my gosh. And then someone else would say, yeah, it's not working for me either. And they'd be like, oh, I feel so much better. And so it's just, there's such a power in support, um, peer to peer that I, I just, you can't be, it, it can't be under, under, you know, it can't yeah. be under. It seems like you hit the sweet spot. I mean, that tribe element, the sharing in a community, and also I think, like you said, not feeling alone. And also if something was difficult to have someone else say, yeah, me too. Like all that I think threads people together and it just, it provides something that can be much more sustainable and successful um, with those things. So how can people get a hold of you? Well, they absolutely, I'm going to, I, what I would love to provide for your listeners is I would love to provide my book for free. So I am going to provide for you um, a link where they just have to pay for shipping and I'm going to give them the book for free. I just want, I want as many people to read this book and to feel hope and inspiration and know that if this is a problem for them or if they have someone in their life that they know this is a, that, that is, is struggling with this and maybe they're not ready, it might give them some ideas about how they can help support them. And so I just want to get my book into as many people's hands as possible because I just... Thank you. That's incredibly generous of you. And that's, that's awesome. I love it. I love the, the spirit of generosity and I can so feel your passion that you don't want women to be, and not even just women, women or men, you don't want people to be suffering with this unnecessarily. And I love the fact that you started many years ago in this journey and you've actually kind of traversed it. And now you're really so passionate about helping other people. So man, it's, it's awesome. I could talk to you forever. It's such an inspiration and thank you for that generous offer. I'll definitely make sure to share the link with our listeners. And there's one other thing. I also will, will provide a link for you that will allow if anyone, if this, if what I've talked talked about, if you're listening and you think, you know, I, I, this kind of resonates with me, or I'd love to hear more about what I can do immediately. I'm also, I also want to offer a 30 minute free transformation call, no obligation at all. Just let's talk about an action, like an action plan, next steps for, for any of your listeners that just want to get some ideas about where they can kind of go after, you know, using the three tips and then, and then moving on from there. I'd love to, to reach out and touch and help as many people as I can. So I'll provide that link as well. Oh, that sounds wonderful, Kristen. I'm so excited. And I know that you shared so much value in our time together, in our very short time together. So I can only imagine the kind of connection and relationship that you build with your clients. And also, I would love it if you could leave some parting words, whether it has to do with your vision or your mission or just something inspirational that you want to depart on. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. I, I think the most important thing. Somebody asked me if I could put into one word, if there was one word that I could describe my book or I could describe what my goal is in, 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 in doing what I'm doing. It's to inspire people to take care of themselves. Self-care is far and away something that most of us don't do enough of. And I, I'm a firm believer that if everybody did self-care, the world would be a much better place because when we love ourselves and we take care of ourselves, that's all we have to give to other people. We don't have anger. We don't have negativity. We don't have 
all of those things that come out of us that aren't truly who we are in our hearts. In our hearts, we're all wonderful souls. We're all beautiful people. But there's a lot of other stuff that ends up causing us to do things that just aren't in our they're not, they're not who we really are. They're not who we are at our core. And so that self-care and that self-love is so very important. So what I would, what I would love to challenge your listeners to do is in a, in a non-food way is have a list of things that make you happy. What do you, what, what on a daily basis, is it going and getting a pedicure? Is it having a massage? Is it taking a nap? Come up with a list and start incorporating something like that every day into your life. 15 minutes. 15 minutes isn't going to, it's not going to make it like it's an appointment, but give yeah. yourself 15 minutes to take care of yourself. I call it me time in my, in, in my program, but you, we've got to start taking care of ourselves and start really doing that deep loving work for ourselves because then I just, it will just, it will spread, it will spread. And it's, it, it's a, it's a consciousness, you know, changing activity and it's really, really important. So I, I would just say self care and, and taking care of yourself and valuing yourself is so important. That's so beautiful. I'm breathing that in deeply. I know that our listeners are as well. I I'm right there with you change yourself and you change the world. I think it has a tremendous ripple effect of, goodness and kindness and love. And I do think that more than just ourself get soothed when we take that time. And like you said, it can be as small as 15 minutes. So this was such a joy, Kristen. Thank you so very much. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you again super soon. All right. Thank you so much, Casey. It was a great time. Thank you. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Women Developing Brilliance. If so, head over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.